0: Welcome back to Squatch Ranger Files, episode 42. I'm your host, the Squatch Ranger himself, and I just want to take this time to say thank you to all of the subscribers and followers and fans of the show. I've now been doing Squatch Ranger Files for three years now, so it's uh, been quite a ride. So a couple of quick announcements before we start the show. First one is... I want to throw this out here for a topic of conversation. I'm just going to say it. From now on, I, the Squatch Ranger, declare that when we're talking about Bigfoot, we want to use just the word Bigfoot for the plural form. I've been watching a lot of Bigfoot shows on TV lately, even going back and watching Finding Bigfoot past episodes. And everywhere, people writing on Facebook, people writing about Bigfoot... When we're talking about more than one Bigfoot, everybody says Bigfoots. And I'm declaring right now here on Squatch Ranger Files, episode 42, that we put a stop to that. We're going to use Bigfoot as the plural form of Bigfoot. So for example, when we're talking about a deer, we say, I saw many deer. We don't say, I saw many deers. That's incorrect. So it's kind of like the plural form of deer. Instead of saying, I saw many Bigfoots, just say, I saw many Bigfoot. Anyway, I'd like you to uh, comment or write in, email me, tell me what you think of that. But that is my two cents about that topic. I think that the plural form for Bigfoot is Bigfoot. Okay, also, um, you've heard about it in Oklahoma. They're going to pass this bill where it is legal to hunt for Bigfoot. Uh, There will be a season to hunt for the Bigfoot. Now, it's not to kill the Bigfoot, so don't get confused. It's to trap a Bigfoot. There will be a $25,000 bounty to capture a Bigfoot and bring it in and turn it in to show proof or scientific evidence that Bigfoot is, in fact, real. Now, this is to promote tourism in Oklahoma, and I'm all for promoting tourism and bringing interest to the subject. But I, as along as a lot of other listeners and people out there, I don't think we need extra people around shooting at anything that moves around in the woods or goes bump in the night. It's probably going to be alongside the same season as deer season, so you're going to have extra hunters out there already shooting at deer Uh, you know, what is the criteria here for hunting for the Bigfoot? Are you going to be required to wear orange as well? I sure hope so. Because if you're not wearing orange and you're out there and the deer hunters are out there wearing orange and they don't see something moving like you hunting for Bigfoot and you're not required to wear orange, uh, they might take a shot at you. So anyway, just throwing that out there. I think it's really cool for the tourism aspect, but... Uh, they need to think this through a little bit more, and we need some more information on the topic and on the subject. But I, once again, write into me. Tell me what you think about this topic, about the open season Bigfoot hunting season in Oklahoma and the bill they're trying to pass. Please email me. Also, if you have a Bigfoot encounter story of your own, please email SquatchRanger at gmail.com. I would love to feature your Bigfoot encounter and report it on this program. All right, guys, that's all the announcements for now. Let's jump into Squatch Ranger Files, episode 42. Number one, cousins chase rabbit and then see black creature. 1982, Northeast District, Rogers County, Oklahoma, Class A Daytime Sighting. I'd like to share some of my first experiences. I've had several experiences being raised living off the land in northeast Oklahoma. We were really poor. I was in the woods, it seemed like 24 7 hunting or fishing because that's how we ate, besides raising animals and a garden on our little farm in 1982 when I was around nine my cousin and I were playing in the backfield and I watched him chase a rabbit down in a draw and something black caught my eye just over the next hill as it stood up turned and disappeared down the other side I let out a scream to my cousin to watch out and we ran over the hill to see what it was but it was gone It covered 400 yards across the field before we got there. Several days later, I started noticing big foot prints along the creek further back into the woods. Nobody in their right mind would be barefoot in this area because there's thorns everywhere. Very thick 100 acres. Fast forward two years in 1984, I was 11 years old and we went deer hunting 10 miles north of where we lived two hours before daylight because it was a long walk and deer came through there early and i had to be there when the sun came up i had to cross a really big field as i approached the tree line on the opposite side i started to feel really uneasy i reached the tree line and went left and followed the fence down into the woods I started hearing something following me. I figured it was coyotes, like many times before. As I got deeper into the woods, I noticed it sounded more like someone walking behind me. Like someone walking behind me, instead of an animal. I was really getting scared at this point, seeing that my brother drove off to his stand. I was alone. I would stop walking just to catch it, walking, so I would better understand what I was hearing, but it would stop a few steps after me. It was definitely two feet falls, but it sounded really heavy. I finally reached the end of the fence at the tip of the ridge. I turned right after 40 yards and went up it fast, but quietly. Pulled my gun up and sat for like 10 minutes listening and nothing. Then I heard it coming down the same trail again, heavy footfalls. It reached the end of the fence where I turned right, and it stood there. I could hear a heavy, grungy breathing. Mind you, this is 40 yards, and I can still hear it. It stood there a minute or so, and it let out this scream that started out really high pitched and went to a super low guttural yell. It sent me into instant tears an uncontrollable shaking. I could feel the yell so well, it felt like an electric charge almost. I was terrified. I managed to slowly chamber around and pointed it down the tree. I knew I still had at least an hour before daylight and I had no one to help me. I then realized the wind was blowing its direction, but I was in a tree 20 feet. I was praying it couldn't smell where I was. A few minutes later, I heard another scream from way down the ridge to the south, and whatever was by me moved down through the bottom of the draw, halfway up the other side, and towards where the second scream came from. Daylight couldn't get here fast enough. When the sun came up, I got down and hauled butt back to the road. My brother made fun of me and said my young mind was playing tricks on me but I knew what I experienced. It took me 11 years to enter those woods again. I don't share this very often because of the negativity and shaming that comes along with it but this changed my life and if I hear anything remotely close to the sound that morning I get that feeling and tear up. I'll never forget. Follow up, NOBRO investigators report. The NOBRO has received many similar reports as this second encounter in 1984. Many hunters report being followed or sometimes even paralleled with footsteps from a nearby tree line. Even the detail of the hunter stopping and then hearing two extra steps before the unknown source stops is a very common trend in our Bigfoot reports. It's safe to say this must be a type of Bigfoot behavior or hunting technique of their own. Do the Bigfoot know the purpose of the gun and puts them on special alert? Does this explain the multiple reports of hunters being followed in the woods? Perhaps the Bigfoot want to know where the hunters are going in the forest at all times and be ready to send out a warning to other Bigfoot in the area. Maybe Bigfoot don't know what guns are at all and are just curious about the gun in the hands of each separate hunter? Another common theme in these hunter reports are the multiple descriptions of being so scared the hunter will not return to the woods for an extended amount of time. In the 1982 report, The amount of ground covered in the short amount of time by the bigfoot is impressive these creatures are reported to be very fast much faster than a human this case is now closed number two bigfoot watches trucker pass on highway Years ago, in the late 90s, I was on my way to pick up a load in Tulsa. It was early morning, just before sunrise. I had just come off a string of days at home, so I know I wasn't tired. I am on one of those two-lane roads in the absolute middle of nowhere when I see something on the side of the road at the edge of my high beams. At first, I just thought it was a roadkill, as is usually the case. As I get closer, I see that it is roadkill, and there's someone crouching over the deer carcass. I remember thinking either this guy's taking the antlers as a trophy, or he's freaking sick. As I get closer, he's literally ripping chunks of meat from the stomach and bringing them up to his face. He then stops mid-motion and looks up at me. Not at my truck, but at me. He stands up and that's when I see that it's freaking huge, brown and covered in hair. I remember thinking at this point, oh shoot. By this point, maybe three seconds have passed and I'm about to the point in the road he's standing at. I didn't even think of stopping in fact I'm starting to lay on it and get the hell out of there as I'm passing it it looks at me again not at the truck it's looking through the driver's side windshield at me he obviously had the intelligence to know that there's a driver in here and knows where I'm sitting as I start to pass him I can still see its head above the hood of my old, needle-nose, Peterbilt truck. This thing is an absolute giant. I remember seeing what I thought was human intelligence in its eyes, and it scared me. Follow-up, Field Investigators Report. This report comes from the Bigfoot Wilderness Facebook page. Don't forget to give the page a like and enjoy all the Bigfoot reports from all over the country. The only information we do have is the truck driver was on their way to Tulsa that day. This could mean the truck driver started in Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas, Texas, etc. The truck driver also could have started the trip in Oklahoma, but it's more than likely this sighting took place somewhere just outside of the Tulsa area, or what the locals call green country. The eyewitness did say it occurred in the middle of nowhere. So it was in a very remote location. A very interesting part of the story was the creature looked straight at the truck driver, not the truck but the driver. There was a connection between the driver and the creature in that moment. The driver hinted that the creature must have a higher intelligence than any other ordinary animal. An ordinary animal would have feared the truck and left the area as fast as possible. But this was different. There are many reports that these creatures show human-like characteristics. In this case the creature must have seen a vehicle before and remembered it the creature didn't fear the truck it's almost like the creature knew the purpose of a vehicle to transport humans and knows the vehicle was a machine not a particular threat to animals rather the creature wanted to stay put to get a closer look at the driver this kind of behavior definitely points to a more intelligent being capable of learning and connecting together. This case is now closed. Number 3. Creature Seen While Building Fence 2006 Free State South Africa Class A Daytime Sighting Back in 2006 my grandfather and I went to fix a wire fence down on the farm in the camp close to the Lindenbergs River. We were halfway down the hill and I stopped to fill my water bottle at a fountain. It is the cleanest water that one can find. I saw something standing across a big trench on a ledge close to the poplar tree stand. It was around 11.30 in the morning and a clear day. I had my small set of binoculars with me and immediately had a look he was standing with his back to us and was looking over in the direction of the stream i could see dark brown hair from head to his feet the hair was like aged hair people who go gray over time as they get older and the hair gets silvery and coarser the hair was dark brown but it was silvery gray on the back the chest just had shorter and slightly thinner, and lighter hair. I saw it through my binoculars, so I got a pretty good look at it. On its head was a point like that of a gorilla. His arms were longer than that of a human, and was hanging down to his knees. The palms of his hands were bare. He stood completely still. My grandfather screamed at it. Who the hell are you? This is private land. Hearing this, it quickly turned towards us. His face was hairless with red marks on its face, like the blue lines on the face of a mandrel. The face looked like those of the cavemen we see in pictures, something between the face of a human and gorilla. He took about three steps and disappeared over the ledge. I can still not get that face out of my mind. He looked really irritated with us. Follow up, NOBRO Investigator's Report. I spoke with the witness via the internet to get some more information about this sighting. The most interesting part of this report, in my opinion, is the description of the red markings on the creature's face. At first, I wondered if this was a case of misidentification of a known animal. The witness did compare the markings to that of a mandrill in the report, but I had to look for myself to double check. Indeed, the markings on a mandrill are not the same as the eyewitness drawing of the unknown creature. Furthermore, mandrills are not a native animal in South Africa. Mandrills are found in Central Africa on the West Coast side. Through my research, the only other primate I could find Similar to the description in this report, with red on its face, proved to be the bald Yukari monkey. But the fact that the bald Yukari monkeys are only found in South America proves to be a problem with a misidentification in this report yet again. So what kind of creature did the eyewitness see? And what are the red markings on the face? I asked the eyewitness what they felt was the significance of the red markings. The eyewitness replied, I'm not sure if it's something smeared on or if it's skin pigment. I have received a few reports of face markings, usually red, but I've received a report of blue markings. It resembles the markings on a mandrel. However, others have no markings. So I think it's either males or it's a signal of dominance. This case is now closed.